the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus was anointed to proclaim good news to the poor. He was sent to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. There's a lot in that, and I think you are perfectly within your right to be confused, to have a number of questions, like, what is this good news for the poor? Who are the prisoners? Who are the oppressed? Is sight being restored for those who are literally blind? What about other physical ailments? What even is this year of the Lord's favor? Well, I think the most helpful way to understand all this is to go back to the book of Isaiah. For, for some of you, this shouldn't be new news to go back to Isaiah. You've hopefully spent a number of weeks reading through it. But for those who weren't able to join us in that, the book of Isaiah was written to the Israelites throughout a period known as exile. Isaiah begins in the 8th century BC, and it follows this Israelite people group as they are warned of coming judgment. The Israelites had failed to uphold a special commitment with God known as a covenant, and the result was that they would be judged but then restored. It was a bit like being disciplined. This judgment came in the form of exile, a foreign nation known as Babylon exiled the Israelite people. They forced him to live outside of their land and in Babylon under oppression. This exile lasted for about 70 years and eventually, as promised, the people were restored. They were freed and given back their land. A couple of years ago, um, when I was still a student, like most people, I dreaded the exam period. Now, I was by no means a bad student, but I also wasn't the most diligent of students. And so, of course, exam period meant cramming. It was a high-stress period. You go from the last week of lectures, handing out final assignments, into SWATVAC, your two weeks of studying with no lectures, then into the actual exam weeks. I was usually unlucky enough that my exams were spread out over two weeks, and so it was this almost whole month of stressing, of cramming. It'd be cramming a few days for the first exam, and then maybe a break, then cramming for a few more days for the next exam, maybe cramming for two exams because they were on the same day, and it was just a long period to be constantly stressed. And always towards the end, I'd be like, I cannot wait for this to be over. I have so much I want to do with my holidays. I've got these movies that I want to watch, these series that I want to binge, these games I want to play, places to go, people to catch up with. It's going to be so good. I just need to get through. And so eventually, I'd get to that last exam. It'd be three hours in the exam hall. You'd get out. I'd go home and be like, great. It's time to do all those things in my holidays. Firstly, I'd load up Netflix and be like, all right, what am I watching? Mm, don't feel like this, or this, or this. All right, let's try YouTube. Mm, not this, or this. All right, maybe I'll go play a game. Mm, not this. And it just repeat. I wouldn't be satisfied with any of it. 
That freedom did not meet my expectations. It wasn't what I imagined. And I got through all my years of study. Every semester, it'd be the same. I'd look forward to the freedom of holidays and be disappointed by what it actually was. I don't know what I expected. And you know what? Maybe when I retire, it will finally be what I want. But it was like that for the Israelite people. When they returned to their land after exile, sure, they were free. They weren't under oppression anymore. But going back to their land, it wasn't what they expected. And so that's what these last chapters of Isaiah address. That's where Jesus reads from. It's from Isaiah chapter 61. What they saw, what they had back in their land, wasn't the grand image that God had promised them. The promises he made over and over in the book of Isaiah. And that's not because God is a liar. But it's because the image that God promised was one that was even further in the future. Yes, the Israelite people had experienced deliverance. They'd been delivered from physical exile. But what God was promising was an even greater deliverance. To add on to that, this language is familiar for the Israelite people. Being poor, being a prisoner, being oppressed. These were experiences that many Israelites lived through in Babylonian oppression. So to hear these words were words of comfort, that there was good news for the poor, freedom for the prisoner, being set free for the oppressed. It was a declaration that God is bringing about a deliverance even greater than the one they just experienced. And so going back to Luke, where Jesus declares that he is the anointed one, that he has been sent, he is saying that he is the one bringing this greater deliverance. That greater deliverance is freedom for the prisoners, sight for the blind, setting the oppressed free. Jesus was proclaiming salvation. Jesus proclaimed salvation for the poor, for those who are in need. Not just those who, are, who have physical needs, but emotional need. But most importantly, spiritual need. Jesus proclaims freedom for the prisoners and the oppressed. Freedom that not may, may not necessarily be physical freedom, but spiritual freedom. Jesus proclaims recovery for, of sight for the blind, healing, physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing. What Jesus is offering is well summed up in the last bit that he reads, that he's there to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's unlikely that it's a literal year, but it's a time period. In fact, the way it's spoken of in Isaiah 61 sounds like a tradition known as a year of jubilee. In Israelite culture, every 50 years, all debts, all people would be released. Everything would be wiped clean. It's a clean slate to start over. It was a year of rest and restoration. It's a fitting image of what Jesus is proclaiming. It's not just a year of jubilee, but it's a year of the Lord's favor, a period of even greater restoration. And so here we are now on Easter Sunday. As a church, we remembered and mourned the crucifixion of Jesus on Good Friday. But today we get to celebrate. We celebrate his resurrection. 
Because it's in his resurrection that Jesus achieves what he was anointed to do, what he was sent to do. The year of the Lord's favor is not just something that Jesus proclaimed anymore. It's something that we can experience already. Let me read out a few verses from Luke chapter 24, from the end of his gospel. Luke chapter 24, verses 44 to 47. He said to them, that's Jesus, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Jesus was the Messiah. And very quickly, Messiah, Christ, they're the same thing. Christ is the Greek term, and Messiah was the Hebrew or Aramaic term. Both of them mean the anointed one. Jesus was the anointed one. And so as Luke puts it here, Jesus' death and resurrection brings repentance and forgiveness for sins. It's freedom from sin. Freedom from spiritual oppression. No longer being a prisoner to sin. It's the greatest salvation and deliverance spoken of in Isaiah. It comes through Jesus. That's what Easter is really about. It's the fulfillment of that proclamation. It's the offer of forgiveness from sin. The offer of freedom and healing. Spiritual freedom. Spiritual healing. Jesus coming to earth by itself didn't achieve that. It's through his death and his resurrection that the year of the Lord's favor is ushered in. That's why we celebrate Easter. It's why Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday, as it's sometimes called, it's such a big deal. And it's so worth celebrating. Because through today, we are able to receive all that Jesus proclaimed. Now, the question I have for you is, will you take up that offer of salvation? Jesus' proclamation still stands today. His offer for salvation, for deliverance, for restoration, it still stands today. Just because it was written about 2,000 years ago, it doesn't mean it was only for then. In fact, I urge you to consider this for today. I don't know what exactly you might be going through, but I do know that in Jesus, there is freedom and healing. Jesus' death and resurrection is the good news that is being proclaimed to the poor. Not just the physically poor, but anyone who is in need. I think it would be irresponsible of me to stand here and promise that in Jesus, all of your physical needs will be miraculously met. I can't promise that. That might happen, I don't know. But I do know that in Jesus, we have assurance and hope of who God is. Through Jesus, you have the opportunity to become part of God's people and to receive all the blessings that come with it. You have assurance of a God who deeply cares for every individual. He cares for all his people in their unique circumstances. Again, I don't know how he does that, but I'm confident that he loves his people. He cares for them and he provides for them. 
He looks after his people. That's the hope you have in Jesus. I want to touch back on the freedom that Jesus offers. Freedom for prisoners and the oppressed. Specifically, I want to say that Jesus offers freedom from whatever we are carrying with us. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says this. It's from chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Whatever you're weary and burdened by, in Jesus you will find rest. Rest for your soul. Weariness is not always physical. There is some weariness that no amount of sleep will fix. But that can be fixed in Jesus, in the rest he gives. Turning to Jesus to give him your burdens, that's what he offers. It's a freedom from that weariness and burden. I don't think I'm going out too far to say that today, it's so much easier to experience anxieties and stresses There are so many things going on around us. But look at what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Jesus Christ. In Jesus, we have a peace that transcends all understanding. I wish I could explain it. I wish I could stand here and tell you how exactly Jesus offers peace and rest. But I can't. It's beyond that. But what I do know is that we can find that peace in Jesus. That rest is found in him. And lastly, I want to stress that Jesus offers spiritual freedom. Freedom from and forgiveness of sins. This forgiveness of sins is one of the more important things. It's sin that gets in the way of our relationship with God. Yet, as Luke writes at the end of his gospel, in Jesus' death and resurrection, there is forgiveness for sins. I don't know if you've ever considered this or how often you might consider this, But sin can be oppressing in our lives, and we can feel like prisoners to sin. Um, I think it's easier for us to think of sin as little infringements, a cheeky bit of rule-breaking maybe, but we can forget that sin has a hold. Sin can have a hold over our lives. Things like pride or greed. They're sins that can have this grip over us which may not be apparent. When I think of greed, I think of character cartoon characters like Scrooge McDuck, this guy that holds onto his money, his gold, with his literal hands unwilling to let go of a single coin. But greed can also look like an attitude, an attitude that is present even when we don't realize. Maybe it's the choice to skip an important event because you have an extra shift at work that's double or triple pay. And it's not just a once-off, but it's something that becomes a habit, regular, every week. 
That's just one way in which a sin like greed can have this hold over our lives. But in Jesus, we are set free from that. In him, there is freedom. This freedom is also released from guilt that can come with sin. It's not an example, but it is something that comes to mind. And I want to put a bit of a heads up out here. I will touch very briefly on the topic of death. And so if this is a sensitive topic for you, please do not hesitate to step out if you need. But I saw an ad for road safety recently. It featured the surviving driver of a fatal vehicle collision, one that took the life of a young driver. And this survivor spoke of the deep guilt and regret that has stayed with him for the last decade. A guilt that kept him up all night, that lives with him to this day. And it was painful to hear about the ways he tried to put himself to sleep, to forget this guilt. Now, I don't know all the details of that collision, but I was reminded that in Jesus, we don't have to live with guilt. Jesus offers us cleansing and forgiveness from our sins. When we repent of our sins and turn to Jesus, our sins are completely wiped away. That doesn't mean that we get away scot-free from our actions, but it does mean that God doesn't see our sin anymore. He doesn't hold our sin against us. When Jesus died and rose again, he dealt with sin. It was finished. That sin was completely wiped away. We don't need to hold on to guilt or to let guilt consume us anymore. We have freedom from that. Our sins are completely forgiven and we are set free. That's the freedom, the spiritual freedom that Jesus offers. So today, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, that he did not stay dead after he was crucified. And that because of this, we know that he did indeed fulfill the words of Isaiah. Jesus was anointed and sent, sent to proclaim good news to the poor, sent to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, sent to recover sight for the blind, sent to set the oppressed free, sent to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Jesus wasn't just a man who said that he would do that, but he followed through and did indeed do that. In him, we find freedom and salvation. And so who do you think Jesus is? Will you accept this offer of freedom from him? Jesus proclaimed freedom and salvation. And so I encourage you to consider this today to consider who Jesus is and what he offers. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that today is indeed a day for celebration, a day where your son Jesus died and was resurrected, that in his resurrection he does proclaim the year of your favour, that in this year we have freedom, we have healing, we have good news that we are set free and we have salvation. Lord, we need to turn to you for that, to turn to repentance and to accept this offer. So Lord, I pray that all of us will sit with this, that if we haven't taken that offer, we would consider this. And for those who have taken this offer, 
that we would let these words speak to us, to hold on to the promises of the salvation we have already received and how that affects our lives. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the resurrection of your Son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.